It's the second edition of the pregame show for the Man Cave Sports Podcast. Tim joins me again as we talk about some college football games from last week, some really good games that are coming up this week like Georgia at LSU, and we're also talking about some college basketball and some serious stuff that's been going on with that. And later in the second segment, we are talking about everyone's favorite thing in the whole wide world, fast food. So stay tuned and join. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of the pregame show for the Man Cave Sports Podcast. While Kentucky does not have a game this week, we are still doing a pregame show because there's still good games this weekend, I would say, Tim. Yes, sir. I, I believe so. We've got some good games on our hand. And especially for SEC, the Georgia at LSU game, that's big implications, especially if LSU can find a way to pull that out. I mean, uh, Kentucky lost to Texas A&M, which is a, you know, Texas A&M is a SEC West team, and LSU is also that, an SEC uh, West game. So if LSU pulls that out in Kentucky, plays Georgia with only one loss and Georgia is playing with only one loss against Kentucky, that could very well decide the who's playing Alabama in the SEC championship game. Yes, I, I think there's some interesting uh, scenarios that are kind of playing out here. You have LSU at home, um, you know, coming off a difficult loss uh, against Florida. And uh, you have Georgia still undefeated. Uh, not really, um, not as much proven um, that this game will kind of provide a good, it'll provide kind of a window into the SEC and how it's going to play out. Georgia wins. Um, it's kind of, uh, will you know, some of the uh, scenarios are kind of gone by then. But if Georgia loses, it kind of opens it up the West. It really does. I mean, the East, excuse me, it opens up the East to Florida, uh, Kentucky, and obviously Georgia. So, and three very good teams. And, um, you know, I, I definitely think that it would be pretty interesting if LSU wins that game. Yeah, I think I think so too. Just the thought of when Georgia travels to take on Kentucky at Kroger Field in uh in November, that game, like I said, I mean Kentucky has a win over Georgia. I mean not Georgia, uh Florida. Yes. And Georgia also, I believe they have to play Florida before they come and play Kentucky too. So that's just if LSU wins tomorrow, that opens up so many possibilities, in my opinion. Absolutely. It really does. Absolutely. And, you know, Georgia um, is not playing incredible offense. I mean, it's decent, but I mean, um, they're not playing, you know, head over heels great football. Um, you know, they're winning and they're winning pretty convincingly against teams they should beat. 
Um, but then they had a tough game at Missouri. Um, you know, and, and I definitely think it's uh, an interesting game. And just to let you know, uh, they're playing LSU this weekend. They have a bye week, and then they play Florida after that. Uh, now that is at home in Georgia. And then they got to play at Kentucky after that. So, mm-hmm. you know, at the very least, it could – a good scenario could possibly be uh, where you have Georgia with at least one loss in that three-game stretch. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when when they play four tough game, especially for Florida. But Florida's kind of proved me – Wrong. I mean, I didn't think much of Florida, honestly, especially after they lost to Kentucky. But now, I mean, seeing how Florida's been playing after Kentucky and that they've they've killed Tennessee, even though it doesn't really mean anything anymore, but they killed Tennessee and Knoxville. They've they've beaten Mississippi State. I mean, they're and then now just beating LSU. I mean, I think they're a legit team this year. And I, I don't know if they're I'm not. I, I can't. I don't know if they're going to beat Georgia, and I don't know if Georgia's going to beat them. But I, I definitely think that is going to be a close game. Yeah, I, I don't think. think it, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Oh no, I don't think so either. And I think uh, Florida's proven that they are formidable, and I definitely think that they're not a pushover team just because Kentucky beat them. Uh, this Kentucky team is not your average year in, year out Kentucky team. So uh, it actually kind of makes that win uh, at Florida for UK that much bigger because Florida hasn't lost since. And and they're winning convincingly against teams they should, and they're also beating tough teams like LSU. So, you know, this game – um, I mean, you know, this game with Georgia versus LSU, I think it's definitely um, Florida and Kentucky are very interested in that game to see what happens. If Georgia loses, then the East Division is up for grabs. Um, at least two teams, uh, you got a three, three-way three race, you know, where in the West Division, you know, it's it's all Alabama, but in the East. It's, yeah, yeah, definitely in the West, it's all settled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, so the East really kind of opens itself up, which I, I'll be honest with you. You know, we were thinking about Kentucky and Georgia. You know, we, we talked about this, you know, with the scenario with Texas A&M and Kentucky. We were thinking, you know, hey, you know, we could go uh, against Georgia possibly undefeated and, um, you know, undetermined the East Division. And we weren't even thinking about Florida because Florida's playing LSU, right? <laughs> And then, um, you know, you got uh, Georgia playing LSU, and then you got Florida playing Georgia. Uh, you know, so it, it's going to be an interesting ride, I think. And I, I think the East Division of the SEC is by far uh, the most entertaining of the two divisions right now. And For sure. Yeah, it ought to be interesting to see how things play out. I mean, I'm excited for it. I'm actually really pulling for LSU, believe it or not. I mean, I'm – I want Georgia – when you know, when Kentucky plays Georgia, I want that game to ultimately be the decider on who plays Alabama 
in the SEC championship. And going back to Kentucky for a bit, that yes. that, that game that was a heartbreaker because I mean I don't know I mean there are definitely people that picked Kentucky to upset Texas A&M, but the fact that the game went into overtime and there were terrible terrible coaching calls made during that game. That was a, and I know Texas A&M outplayed Kentucky pretty much the whole game. As much as I hate to say it, it that's a, that's a true fact. Yes. But that was such a winnable game for UK, and this is the first time, I think, this year where we've really seen UK and how vulnerable that they were in that game. And do you agree? Yes, and. Our nightmare scenario that we talked about came true, and that is no confidence in the kicker. Uh, now, granted, they should have never been kicking, but at the same time, you know, uh, I definitely think this is a, a huge point of concern for Kentucky, um, the kicking game. And, you know, like I said, the coaching – uh, the offensive coordinator made a very questionable call. Even though S- Snell only had 18 yards rushing, he only had four attempts. So, you know, we're talking – he's still averaging over four yards a carry. Uh, you have uh, third and two, and they put it in the quarterback's hands. And Yeah, and you, you don't give it to – you're the best player on the team and po- quite possibly the best running back in the nation. Yes. You don't – even if he gets a yard, he's still not taking a sack. But Terry Wilson did the exact opposite of what you needed him to do. And Andy Grand, the offensive coordinator at UK, his reasoning for – you know, they had it in the wildcat position. And, tech, and Benny – that's what they usually do with Benny. And then they call a timeout, and then they switch it to, I believe it was a shotgun. Uh, it was a shotgun play. And Terry Wilson, of course, and he gets sacked. But Eddie Grand's reasoning for that was that they had run the play in practice and that he said that they ran it perfectly. And yeah. basically what he was saying by it is he – he wanted to try to outsmart Texas A&M's coaches, and he figured if they did that while in thinking that Texas A&M was that that they were thinking UK was going to run the ball in third and two, Eddie Grant was thinking maybe there's going to be a wide open receiver, and Te- Terry Wilson's going to get it to him. Well, and like I said, that kind of reasoning is doesn't make any sense. First of all, in practice. You don't have a hundred thousand screaming fans. Second of all, you're not hundreds running of a, thousands. Yeah, and you, you don't have, um, you know, the Texas A&M defense running against you, all hyped up by the crowd in overtime. Uh, you're not running that play in that situation in practice. You're just not. So just because it goes well in practice does not translate necessarily in a game. Second of all, it'd be a little different if Terry Wilson was effective in the game. If he was truly effective in the game, then I can maybe understand that uh, he would say, hey, you know, we're going to put it in Terry Wilson's hands. He's played excellent today. It's his 
you know, it's his to do. And unfortunately, none of that was true. So, I mean, it's, it's for the life of me, he got sacked six times in a game. You know, I mean, that and, – and this is a mobile quarterback, got sacked six times. And, and I, they, noticed, I noticed that every time he tried to run the ball and every time that he would see a Texas A&M defender coming at him, he would tense up, he would panic a little bit, and he would just, he would just you know, go down. Because he, he got sacked six times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he – and when, like I said, when I mean, when he was going downfield too, I mean, he saw a Texas A&M defender, kind of panicked and wasn't aggressive and didn't try to push for the f- first down. Sure. And, and I, I, was, I, I was telling Gavin this, and he's not the biggest fan of Terry Wilson. And I'm, you know, I'm getting to that point as well. And the thing about Terry Wilson is – He's had games where he's shown his full arsenal, you know, especially, I mean, he can make throws when he wants to, and we know how good of a runner that he can be. But when you're in an environment like that and you're a sophomore quarterback, that is going to be tough. But with that being said, you have got to – when you're a coach, if you really – you have to make game-winning decisions and keeping Terry Wilson in that game and not giving their second stringer a chance was not a game-winning decision by any means. And like I said, I told Gavin that, I mean, I think he can be good with time. I really do. But, you know, uh, last weekend was just not his night. Well, and, you know, let's go, let's go back to the coaching part. Okay, and you know, and I know this, this is football 101. When your quarterback sets up, um, you know, for basically a shotgun snap, there is um, 80 to 90% chance that he's going to pass in that play. So all the linebackers, the defensive line on Texas A&M, they see him line up in a, in a shotgun there's a good chance that it's, it's going to be a pass play, okay, or at least a, um, you know, not up the middle type of run, okay. Now, there's a very good chance of that. That's number one. Number two is that they took the ball out of Snell's hands. Um, you know, he's averaging, you know, like I said, four and a half y- yards rushing, uh, you're in, th- you're in four, you're four down territory, you know, Snell gets a yard. They can still go for it on fourth down and get another yard. There's just so many scenarios that run through my mind to make this coaching decision decision that was made, make it look all the worse because you're, you're literally in four down territory. You're in overtime, you know, your kicker, I mean, you're in four down territory because your kicker's not that good. And unless you're in a, you know, 10 yard line, that's something to take in consideration that you might want to run it twice and four, you know, third and two. And, you know, so it, it, to me, the coaching was just quite frankly terrible. And Terry Wilson's responsible too. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, but at the same time, you get sacked six times, you're going to be a little hesitant. And I don't know if you looked at the defensive line on Texas A&M, these guys were huge. And, you know, and Kentucky's offensive line didn't hold up so well against them. I mean, it was a, it was a defensive game. So in, in every instance that I can think of, it just, it, I can't think of a, you know, a, a number of events that came together that could possibly have gone worse for Kentucky. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you just look, I mean, just everything from the coaching to how the offensive line played to how Terry Wilson played, that was just, that was the first game where we've seen Kentucky not, you know, it looked, honestly, it looked like Kentucky from the previous two seasons as far as their, how sometimes their offense would be in a log jam. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've looked like, they looked, quite honestly, they looked like Kentucky from the uh, previous years. They didn't look like Kentucky from this year. And maybe this loss, let's, I mean, maybe this loss will help them because, you know, right now, like I said earlier, they are in a bye week. And thank God that they have a bye week after this game to get all their – get everything sorted out, you know. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, let's let's not discount Texas A&M, uh, you know, their – Oh, favorite. yeah, they, their defense, I mean, they're, they're the first team so far that has backed up all the trash talk that they said. So definitely give props to the Texas A&M and how good their defense was. Certainly, certainly. And, I mean, like you, you never know how a team's going to finish. I don't know how Texas A&M is going to finish, but, I mean, I, their defense is going to definitely keep them in games. But going back to Kentucky, like I said, I think the best scenario right now for Kentucky is – don't let this game hold them back. Just, you know, keep doing what you were before. Make changes if you have to. But keep playing with the same mentality. Keep playing with the same chip on your shoulder that you've had, you know, prior to playing Texas A&M. Because they're going to need it, especially when they play Georgia. And most importantly, they're still in this. And, you know, there's no reason to let up. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a scenario where they're playing Georgia, and that's, you know, that's three weeks away. So four weeks, excuse me, November 3rd. Um, you know, that that is um, basically there's definitely a scenario where they're playing Georgia. They're still in the East, so there's no reason to let up. They got the worst part of their schedule behind them besides Georgia. I mean, they got Vegas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, they definitely. I mean, they've. I mean, I mean, we were even talking about they had the gauntlet of games with Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Texas A and M, and we felt uh, comfortable if they won two of those three games. Yes, and, and I, which they did. Yep, and uh, and Georgia's undefeated, and we're still in it. That's that's pretty good. I don't know how much what much more you can ask for as a UK football fan. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, you know, and I, I, I think I was, I'll be honest with you. I was really down after the game. Um, I, I mean, you know, I was down too. I was, 
I was cussing and throwing my hat. I was, <laughs> yeah. pi- I, I was pissed off. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, I usually don't get this pissed off unless it's a basketball game. And yeah. they quite honestly, they let me down. I actually Wait. care about this football team and, you know, just to see them lose the way they did was, you know, for lack of a better term, it was just heartbreaking. Yeah, but, I mean, if I came up to you last year and said, hey, you know, Kentucky's going to lose to Texas A&M in overtime at Texas A&M, you would have been, oh, wow, that's great. (laughs) You would have been, hey, we hung with them the whole entire game. So our expectations for Kentucky are so much higher. And, you know, for us to expect them to go into Texas A&M and win – is still a tall order no matter what whether you're Georgia or maybe not Alabama (laughs) you know even when you're a a ranked you know a really good uh, powerful SEC team even when you go into Texas A&M you're gonna have concerns so you know it I definitely think that uh Kentucky has a lot to keep their head up about. And if they keep playing the way they've been playing, there's no reason for them to come out with two losses in this entire season. And just saying that is incredible to me. It really is because Kentucky is not normally a two loss season type of team. And so, you know, they're going up to into an, another level. And it's and that's realistically definitely could happen. And then you add into the fact that they could possibly beat Georgia. And I don't think it's out of the ordinary to say that. I'm not going into it thinking that, but I'm thinking, you know, it's a possibility. It, I goal. think it is. I mean, I told and this just came out. That game is already sold out. So that's yeah. that's gonna be a packed house as we thought it would be and that that atmosphere is going to be nuts and that that's going to be i mean that's going to be hard for any team to play in and i mean i don't i I, if kentucky can keep up that same winning mentality that they've been having i mean that game is gonna i think that's gonna be a fun game i really do i i that's I mean, I don't want to have to think about another nightmare scenario where they're in overtime again and they have they have to kick another forty three yarder. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to have to think about that, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> and you hope that uh, you know the coach reads a stat line for the game too to make sure that uh, they're uh, you know, hey, you know, Snell's still carrying it four yards a game, you know. Mm-hmm. Four yards of carry. You get you get a third and two. Let's just give it to Snell this time. You know, let yeah. them know that we know. You know, let them know what we're gonna do. You know, just like if somebody goes into a shotgun offense, you're pretty much telegraphing what kind of play you're gonna play. Now you can still hand it off, but for the most part, it's a delay. You can play it as a pass, and and if it's handed off, you have time to react to it. And that's sort of the thing that I have with Texas A&M. But, you know, now just say, hey, we know that, you know, we're going to run the ball, but we we love Snell so much. We have so much belief in him. We're going to give it to him anyways. And he's going to get us those two yards because he's he's all we have. And yeah, you know, I mean, the offense runs through him. 
literally. Yep. I mean, that he's the core of that offense, and you have to give him the ball when it matters most. Absolutely. I mean, he's the, he's even in the talks of, you know, being a Heisman candidate. I mean, he's already in rankings, and how you're not going to give him the ball and with the most you know critical play of the game. Absolutely. You know, that, that that was mind boggling to me, and I, 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 like I said, I was I was so pissed off. But here's there here's the last thing I'll say about this though, about Kentucky for now. People, you can't tell me stop saying this shit that Kentucky's defense is not legit. You can get that. For, you know, try to. You can just put that out the window. Just throw it out the window, and you know that this Kentucky defense is legit. They've proved themselves time and time again. And you look at Texas A&M. Here's a crazy stat that I think is, you know, it's really interesting. So Kentucky allowed less yards per carry than Clemson did. Clemson's defense, and also Alabama's defense. Wow. So, so get out of here with the the BS that Kentucky's defense is not legit. Well, seriously, you can well, you know people are still saying that, and that's I'm I'm just saying this this defense is quite it's it's top notch, and honestly, it's one of the best in the country right now. Well, if let's, not. Let's just uh, take the stats out of it and talk about results. You have a ranked Florida team that only scored 16 points. You have a ranked Mississippi State team that only scored seven points. Who was averaging 50 points a game coming into that game. Yes. You have a South Carolina team that only scored 10 points. You have a a Texas A&M team at home that scored during regulation 14 points. Done. It's you know the the defense is legit. They're, Their defense has nothing more to prove, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely, and we can even that's you know their defense and Snell is what's got them here. You know, and um, you know without that defense, we're not you know we're not exactly lighting up the scoreboard here, and. The fact is that that defense is absolutely necessary for us to be in the position that we're in. Oh, yeah. I mean, that defense is going to be key, especially against, you know, a team like Georgia. I mean, that's that's going to be a tough game. And their defense, I mean, their defense kept them in the game against Texas A&M. I mean, uh, Kentucky had uh, that return fumble for a touchdown. Yep. Now, and Kentucky's defense made a great play. And they also got an interception in that game as well. So, like I said, this this defense is top notch, and and they just have nothing more to prove. And this this defense, it's this, you know, they're going to be hurting next year because there's you know multiple seniors that are graduating and moving on to bigger and better things. But I mean, it's up to I, I feel confident. I really do because there's freshmen that I played so far that have looked really good. And Cash Daniels is only a junior too, so if he comes back, I mean, I I still feel comfortable with Kentucky's defense still, you know, trying to make 
a name for themselves year in, year out. I certainly think so. So, moving on to another game that happened last week, which was Texas-Oklahoma. Absolute shootout, 48-45. to Texas winning on a last, almost last-second field goal from a freshman kicker. Boy, it would have been nice to have him. Uh, uh, but he he nailed it and i'm i think it's safe to say texas is back at least certainly for this year i yeah i definitely think that was the big game and we discussed this that was definitely uh the big game that i think that kind of uh gave us a good idea of how good they are and whether they're here to stay and i definitely think texas is here to stay I mean, you get in a shootout with a team. Uh, they led that entire game. Yeah, they so. were up as much as 21 points, but, you know, Oklahoma has a high-octane offense, and they got back into the game pretty quickly after that. Sure, sure. They scored uh, four t- three times in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, so they but, – they But Texas still closed it out. Yep, with a 40-yard field goal. So, and that – at Texas – Look at be definitely be on the lookout because uh, Big Twelve. That's you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I know West Virginia is still undefeated right now. I mean, they they have a conference championship game, don't they? Or is it just whoever based on the standings? I'm not sure on that. I have to check in on that. But uh, uh, I think it's I think it's standings maybe or I don't I can't remember. But I mean, there's a chance. I mean, West Virginia, I think, is uh, number one right now in the Big 12. But there's a chance if West Virginia, you know, ends up losing. And I mean, Texas ain't – I mean, Texas can really, you know, ha- they have a shot at winning the Big 12 this year and getting a really good bowl game as well. Yes, I mean, they, Texas um, – uh, West Virginia has to play Texas as well uh, later in the season. That's going to be a good game. And it's going to be a very good game because West Virginia also has, you know, a really high octane offense. And so that's. Yeah. To answer your question, it is just based on standings as well. Okay. Yes. So that's definitely uh, Texas only has one loss so far. You know, of course, Oklahoma has one loss and West Virginia, I, they, they're still undefeated. So I believe they are still number one, of course. And. That's. I think that's going to come down to the wire. Well, I mean, West Virginia is number six right now, so I mean that's that definitely be interesting to see how the rest of the season unfolds. Well, and and the thing is too, as far as the Big Twelve is concerned, they're going by the conference, uh, you know, their their conference record rather than the overall record. Texas lost out of you know that wasn't in the Big Twelve conference. So Texas is 3-0, so is West Virginia. And, you know, when they play each other, that's going to be, you know, have ramifications as a championship game. So it, it, oh, yeah. there's all kinds of drama going on with that game. It's going to be a very good game. Like, yeah, yeah, that's going to be a very good game, and it's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, I, I think it, quite possibly it can be another shootout because, okay. again, both have really good offenses. Uh uh, so far this year, uh, another game. Well, the last thing I want to talk about from last week, and then there's another thing too. Clemson finally having a game where they looked 
you know, like the team everyone thought they would be coming into the season, beating Wake Forest 63-3. That's a that's a pretty big blowout. Yes. Um, but, you know, you have to temper that with their competition, too. So, uh, but they did offensively, they looked really, really good. Um, I definitely think that, uh, it, it, you know, it could be a kind of uh, awakening for them. You know, they're not in a tough conference, but at the same time, they're kind of filling their ults. Uh, and I definitely think it's something that's going to look positive on them, especially if they're still undefeated at the end of the season and they have a couple teams, uh, you know, such as in, in the uh, SEC and things like that, where they might rank a little lower just because of the strength of schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, for the most part, I definitely think they're taking a step in the right direction, even though they're undefeated. That's crazy to say something like that. But, I mean, they haven't looked all that good the past couple of weeks. You know, until, you know, they played Wake Forest, they hadn't been playing their best football. No. And I think and I think a lot of that is because of all the drama that's been going on, especially with their senior quarterback deciding to transfer. Yes. And I I definitely, you know, the thing is, and the interesting part of of Clemson is their um, rushing and their passing stats are are pretty impressive. You know, like they're 17th overall in rushing. They're averaging 280.8 rushing yards per game. Uh, In total yards, they're 15th. You know, so statistically – they look good on a piece of paper. However, if you watch the games and you watch them play teams like Syracuse close and Texas A&M close and things like that, um, you know, there are definitely some concerns with this team, especially considering their toughest game is going to be against South Carolina. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, look at their schedule. I mean, they could, I mean, NC State's another, that's another interesting game. Because NC yeah. State is still undefeated as well, so I think that that that's, I think NC State can win that game. To be honest with you, well, I I don't know. North Carolina State is um, an unknown to me. What I mean by that is, um, you know, they put up some really great numbers. I don't know if you've looked at their numbers as far as their quarterback is concerned, but I mean, you know, he's got sixteen hundred yards passing. Uh, 10 touchdowns and three interceptions, okay? I mean, he, he's got double of what Clemson has. So uh, it depends on how Clemson's defense does in that game. If it's a shootout, it's definitely going to be a possibility of North Carolina State pulling this out. Um, but, you know, it just depends on, you know, how North Carolina State's offense performs, and if they perform well, I think they can pull out the game. However, with that said, North Carolina State has not played a team like Clemson either until this point. So, um, you know, it, it could be uh, – to me, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't really don't know. I think that it's definitely a game where you could have Clemson beating them thoroughly 
or an upset, which is North Carolina State beating them out in a in a shootout. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that's way later in the season. We'll definitely have to watch that one. So, one of the lot and to go back to Clemson for you know just one last thing. Clemson, their coach is really good. I think we've I think we've seen that, and I that in next years to come after this one, Trevor Lawrence, their quarter their freshman quarterback. He's going to be something special because just from all the signs he's showing this year, he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in college football for years to come. So Clemson fans, they have a lot to be happy about and to be excited about. And he's definitely sophomore, junior year. He's definitely going to be a Heisman candidate because he's he's a definitely a, a top-notch quarterback. You just got to get that ACC to catch up with them, too. Yep, that is very true. Um, another ACC team, UVL. Oh. So, two and four, getting blown out by Georgia Tech at home, 66-31. How hot is Petrino's seat right now? I definitely think there's a possibility that he loses his job at the end of this season. I. You know, let me just give you what they have. Okay. They have Wake Forest after uh, – I mean, they got Boston College this weekend. They're a double-digit uh, underdog against Boston College. Boston College. Which, I already, which I already told you. I think Boston College is going to win that game. They yes, should have at, no problem. At Boston College, too. They have a bye week. They play Wake Forest. Then they play at Clemson. At Syracuse, you know, the same Syracuse that hung with Clemson, right? Yep. Then North Carolina State. Which should be a loss, too. So they haven't even got to their tough part of their schedule yet. Yeah. I mean, mean, there is a good chance. I mean, the easiest game that they might have, and it's not even really easy, in my opinion, is Wake Forest. That's the only game where they might have a chance. But honestly, these other games, UFL does not have a chance in hell. Clemson with their offense will crush them. Yeah, because Louisville has no defense. Uh, North Carolina State's, you know, uh, they're decent. Uh, you know, they're, we're going to find out how good they are against Clemson. But even then, if – you know, Clemson beats them pretty thoroughly. That doesn't necessarily mean that Louisville's going to be able to hang with them. And then you got Kentucky, uh, you know, with the offensive run, rushing juggernaut and the defense. Um, it's not a pretty schedule for them. And like I said, you got five after Boston College, you have five more games and literally could lose four of them. So yep. let's assume that they lose to Boston College. You're talking, uh, which is crazy to me. Um, and, you know, let's say they went, went against Wake Forest. You're talking about a three-win season. Yeah. And, you know, granted, last year they didn't exactly perform as much as they, we thought they could. But this is a huge drop from – 
last year and the year before that. So, and you don't have uh, the athletic director there who hired you. Uh, you have this new uh, kind of, uh, you know, new sheriff in town who wants to clean up the program. You have, uh, you know, their coach, I, I should not call him out on this, but I mean, he has a flawed pass and, you know, I could see a reason that they might want to replace him if they don't win and, and start over and with new coaches in basketball and football and, you know, and try to clean up both programs, even though yeah. the football side hasn't really been dirty or anything as far as we know. But uh, it, but at the same time, we do have uh, a coach that has a questionable past. And then you add into that a, a three-win season or a two-win season. Wow. I mean, that's a hot seat if you don't if, – if that's not a hot seat, I don't know what is. Right. I mean, it's – he's definitely in trouble, especially if they go two and ten or three and nine. Because – I, I said this a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. I mean that these fans are expecting a lot, especially having two you know quality years with uh, Lamar Jackson. So you know, definitely the fans are not happy. The administration at UofL, the athletic administration at least, is they're not going to they're they're not happy with not producing wins. So I mean, you know, I think fans would be happy to see Petrino gone. Yeah, and then you add into the fact some of the boneheaded uh, coaching calls that that have gone on with them as well. Oh yeah, so, you know, and you know they're they are barely beating Western Kentucky <laughs> and Indiana State. They only beat thirty-one to seven. Those aren't exactly quality wins. No, nope. I, I would think in order for him to retain his job, if they lose three or four games. I mean, if they win three or four games, they're going to have to beat a quality. Uh, I mean, at this point, probably Clemson to kind of maybe calm the waters a little bit. But I, I don't think, and I personally don't think, and you know, we we all know U of L fans. Uh, they've had they're kind of doing the exact opposite of University of Kentucky. And that is they have expectations for their team to do well, especially in an ACC that's really down this year. They should be doing well. They actually should be a top-tier team in the ACC this year, but they're not. They're actually in the low tier, uh, one of the worst teams in the ACC, and it's a down year. So I definitely think that um, it, it's something where they need to explore – if, you know, it's a two loss, I mean, a two win or a three win season, it's definitely something that should be explored. You know, whether they bring them back, I, I don't know what the recruiting situation is next year. If they have a Lamar Jackson type of player coming in, they're going to almost have to have that. That defense is nothing. I mean, you had a Georgia Tech team score 66 points. Now think about how many touchdowns that is. You know, and that is literally every time you get the ball, you're scoring. Yeah. 
there's no defensive stop there. You know, and I haven't even got into the nitty gritty of it, you know, how many times third down conversions and things like that. I, I haven't even looked into that, but just by the score alone, 66 points, you're literally not, you know, and Georgia Tech's not an offensive juggernaut. <laughs> and it, it's just crazy to think about. Yeah, it really is. And I, it's hard for me to judge. I, I don't know what Louisville, like you, I, I don't know what Louisville's going to do. I don't know if there's any way for Petrino to salvage the rest of the season and salvage the rest of the time here that he has at UofL. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it, me just looking at it, I think fans would rather be, rather have Petrino out and just have a fresh start. I and mean, that's what they're, I think that's what most UofL fans are looking for is a fresh start. And they definitely need it because, you know, make it like right now we're going to make a shift from football to basketball for a bit. And then in the next segment, we actually kind of have a fun segment with food and yes. everyone loves food. <laughs> but to, talk, to, to skim through some of this bas- college basketball for a sec. So they just started the probes for, you know, the trials for the, the college basketball scandal with the pay for play and Adidas. So, uh, we have Brian Bowen, who was he committed to Louisville surprisingly. Many thought that Louisville wasn't on his list, but he shockingly committed to Louisville last summer. And he, you know, they come out with this, the, the whole pay-for-play, finding that out, arresting a lot of assistant coaches, and we find out that going to pay the Adidas Louisville was going to pay pay Brian Bowen's family a lot of money for his for Brian Bowen to play at U of L, and he Brian Bowen just had to testify that about a alleged thirteen hundred dollars that a U of L assistant coach Kenny Johnson paid Brian Bowen's father that money in a little meeting. And that just leaves the question, should U of L get the death penalty? Ooh, that's and tough. That's a, that, that's a tough question. And considering, I mean, I don't know if they're considering it, but considering that Louisville is looking like they're on a good track, especially with Chris Mack. I mean, and if, Put it in, you know, installing a death penalty on Louisville. That would be such a, a Debbie Downer, quite honestly. Yeah, and you know, you hate to see um, a new coach come in, a quality coach at that, and you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I got all these four-star recruits. I'm, you know, I'm building this team back from devastation. I mean, let's just face it. The last couple of years, they haven't been able to recruit at all because they've had these charges, you know, weighing in. I mean, think about you're a kid, you're a good ball player, four star, five star, whatever. I'm not going to UofL because I have no idea what's going to happen to them. 
Yeah, so I mean, you you, why waste the years of your college career just to not make an NCAA tournament? Yeah, just it, playing for pride. Absolutely, and then you and then you add into the fact that now um, you know you have a new coach who uh, is cleaning up the program, uh, bringing uh, you know their culture in, uh, their culture of values and things like that, and. You know, you have these four-star recruits, you know, lined up, and then the previous coach is still haunting you. I mean, it, it, it's got to be a it's got to be a big concern. I I don't know, you know, death penalty yet, but we don't know what's still down the road, because once you swear someone in, and you basically threaten them. Uh, with FBI charges, people start to talk. You still have Rick Pitino out there saying he didn't believe the text. Uh, you know, he didn't know anything, you know, the usual rigmarole that Rick Pitino does. But his legacy is completely destroyed. And what would be really sad is if his legacy destroyed, maybe not destroyed, but at least uh, cause some pain for a future coach who decided to take on a team that was in trouble and and rebuild them. Yeah, I for the for me the death penalty. If they were going to do it, I think they would have done it a long time ago before they got Chris Mack. And I, and we were talking about that earlier, and. I don't like I said I don't know what's going through the NCAA's mind. I don't. But like I said, don't I mean don't you think they would have if they were going to do it they would have done it before getting Chris Mack. Well, and, and we're in before the what like there were signs of hope for bringing this program out of the ground. Yes. I I I definitely think that is a possibility. However, the FBI has subpoena power. They can put you in jail, okay? So they can make you confess to things that the NCAA cannot, okay? And if the NCAA gets embarrassed, they may strike out against U of L, uh, meaning that there's more scandal down the road and it may get worse. It may not, okay? But we didn't know um, about the apartment rentals that were paid for his dad. Uh, we didn't know you know, about, um, you know, openly speaking to assistant coaches about compensation. We didn't know any of that stuff. We heard that, you know, about Adidas and $100,000, but we didn't know the details, the dirty little details. And if it gets worse, it's possible. I think, I don't think it's likely, but... At the same time, I'm open to the possibility that this might happen. Uh, I, I think, it, I mean, looking at it right now, like you said, I think it only happens if there's new information that comes out and it, 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 it just makes the whole thing worse. I think yes. that's the only way a death penalty will happen. We're talking, and, and you know what? I, I don't want to kick someone while they're down, okay? But we're talking about a program 
that paid prostitutes to sleep with players. We're talking right. about a program that was willing to, um, for lack of a better term, pretty much money launder money to a family in order to have their son come play for them. So, uh, you know, whether or not Rick Pitino knew, I don't care about all that. This stuff all happened under his watch. And with those two possibilities at this point, if more stuff came out, would you be surprised? No. I mean, like you, like you said, we didn't know about all this new stuff. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if more stuff came out knowing the history, knowing the history of what's been going on. So, you know, and, and if you look at football and not to go back to football, to me, that definitely makes, you know, makes it more likely that he's going if they don't, you know, win yep. games. Yep. And, and it's just an excuse to get rid of them and just say, look, you know, UofL starting over, um, maybe even drop an Adidas contract too. Maybe that's the way they can keep, if it gets bad down the road and say, you know what, we're going to drop Adidas and we're not going to longer associate with that, with, with them because of all the negative, uh, you know, with all the negativity that's, that's involved with their relationship. So, I mean, there is things that UofL can do if it gets worse to try to alleviate that death penalty. Um, but, you know, we're not there yet, and uh, we don't know. We still don't know the full story. And this nope. may be it. I don't know. But uh, Hopefully hopefully it is. Like, seriously, hopefully it is. I don't wish bad luck on Louisville. I don't wish anything bad to happen to Louisville at all. I yeah. hope – because I, I thoroughly I, – I, I like Chris Mack. And so I hope things do not get worse because, like I said, there's – lot of signs of hope for this program and if more information comes out possible death penalty that's just gonna put the this the whole program you know forever how long it's gonna be that's that's gonna be sad especially for the city of Louisville considering that five years ago they were one of the most successful teams in college basketball for a period. So, and the thing is though, this is the, the last thing I'll say about basketball until we get to the next segment. There, it's not just Louisville. An ex Adidas consultant also on trial admitted to paying DeAndre Ayton's family, who we know as DeAndre Ayton, who's the number one pick in the 2018 NBA draft. Played at Arizona. That guy admitted to him paying money to his family, admitting to paying money to a couple Kansas players and Silvio De Souza and Billy Preston and Dennis Smith Jr., who played at NC State and he's about to start his second year in the NBA. So this guy has admitted to paying these players from different schools. So that just makes the whole situation bad and this needs to be fixed because the NC this the NCAA basketball is meant to be fun 
and it's supposed to be fun to watch. But if and then you start to hate it, not really hate it, but you're just disappointed with all these, you know, trying to turn the NCAA into the NBA with paying all these players. And it's turning it basically into a monopoly. Yes. And And they had to find some way to fix it. And I think one, and we've talked about this millions of times, a way to fix it is to definitely change the high school to NBA rules. Yes. For sure. Yeah. And, And if they're that good, and we talked about this, if they're that good, let them go. There's no four-year degree that's going to possibly pay them the type of money that they're going to make in the NBA. And he takes one step on the court, snap, breaks his leg, vacation paid for, and then some. So it's not like what it was in the past where we said, okay, we want them to get their education first and then go to go to the NBA and see how that works out. And if it doesn't work out, they can fall back on to their college degree. Well, it's not that way anymore. Now they can go out and make millions of dollars. And then if something happens, tragic, whatever, they can go to college and get their degree. So, I mean, you know, things aren't the way they used to be. And mm-hmm. for any of these NCAA, um, and, you know, they have the problems of consistency. You know this, and I know this, everybody's complained about it. You know, the NCAA needs to step up and talk to the NBA and just say, hey, you know, enough is enough. We need a similar system to the football, NCAA football. Baseball, and too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, those are two sports. Let's take baseball, for example. You know, the baseball minor league system, okay? Um, you know, it. If it's good enough for baseball, where there's no guarantee of millions of dollars, then it should be good enough for basketball, you know? And, you know, so they try to get up on, you know, and talk about education and and all this stuff. The truth of the matter is it's the best interest of basketball to let these kids go. It just is. There's no point in having a kid go for one year and take, you know, and you know, you're in college. The first year, you can really take a lot of classes that really don't mean much, you know, as far as your degree is concerned. They're all math, oh, yeah. English, things like that. Yeah, just the basics. Yeah. So, I mean, what's the point? You know, let them go. Then they can come back afterwards. Work yeah, and if, and if they, <laughs> yeah, if they end up, deciding to go to college and stay until your junior year. I mean, it's working for the NFL, for, you know, for college football. It's working. And it may, and college football is still very fun to watch. And I want to be able to watch college basketball and ha- be excited about it and not just having to worry, hey, was that player played, paid to play? Yeah. And then not only that, at the end of the season, wondering if they're good enough to go on the NBA draft, and then everybody declares now because they can come back. It's just – it's chaos. It's just – Yeah, um, and it's, they, it's, they've definitely – the NCAA definitely has to get things settled down and find what, find some way. It doesn't have to necessarily be what we think which should happen, but, I mean, they just have to find some way. Uh, even if it goes back to the original, you know, 
high school to NBA. If they know that they're, you know, like with LeBron James, everyone knew he was going to be a star in the NBA. He did not need college. And then you have a lot of really freaking good high school basketball players that do not need college. They can go straight to the NBA, start start out in the, the, the G League, and then work themselves up. I mean, seriously, I mean, it, it, it'll kids, work. These kids play year-round now, AAU and all these different things. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, they, they played 30 games and they had great games for the 30 games. And, you know, maybe they're not ready. We don't know because they haven't played enough games, okay? Nowadays, by the time that they're in middle school, they've played so much basketball, they pretty much can project how good they're going to be. And, you know, there are, of course, some, uh, you know, exceptions where someone, you know, takes a, a dive or, you know, they're not doing as well as, as what they project them to do. But, you know, for the most part, this is a much different game than it was 30 years ago. Um, you know, there, there are, you know, ways of knowing that a player is ready now that never was available before. And they're getting top-notch coaching. Uh, you know, we can even talk about the corruption of the high school system, you know. But regardless, as far as NCAA is concerned, they need to be consistent. They need to make a final decision on this and stick with it. Instead of changing the rules, you know, they're tinkering around each year. And they're changing things like, you know, Okay, one and done still, but we want to be able to make sure the player can declare for the draft, uh, and then they can hire an agent, or they can't hire an agent, they can come back. Or now they can hire an agent. You know, <laughs> it just gets into all this really convoluted stuff. And just instead of just saying, look, you know what? If you're that good, go. You know? Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe you're a uh, uh, senior in high school, you're not quite ready to play NBA starting, but you're good enough to get on the D league. And we can see two or three years down the road that you're going to be an excellent NBA player. And right. Develop it there. And they're making good money in those programs too. I mean, you know, they're making more than a plumber, you know, and so. Yeah. They're still making good money. That's for sure. Yeah. So. Especially if they have, um, you know, an NBA scout who's saying, hey, this could be the next LeBron James, maybe not LeBron James, but, you know, another player could be the next uh, big player. If we then take a chance on him. Yeah. And we'll, we'll give him some money, make him comfortable. And then maybe he'll uh, be loyal to us after, you know, we develop him. Yep. Like I said, this, they have that there's NCAA, Definitely needs to, you know, meet with the NBA or some meeting needs to take place and definitely get things back to, you know, good old-fashioned quality basketball, you know. So, guys, in the next segment, it's not about sports. We're talking about food. Everyone's favorite thing in the whole wide world, food. I love food. It's great especially fast food, even though it's not healthy. But <laughs> Tim and I are going to discuss some, what 
What kind of fast food do you like to eat before a game? Which place has the which fast food place has the best burgers, best fries, best chicken, and also just the best value in general for fast food as far as what you're paying for? You guys can expect that in this next segment. It's gonna be really fun. This is the end of the first segment for the Man Cave Sports Podcast. Welcome back, guys. Second segment of the pregame man cave sports podcast. And the thing is, though, a man cave is not just about sports. It's about good food. Very good food. And we're not talking about sports this this second segment because, you know, most because there's no UK football. So we're substituting that with good, like I said, really good food. Breaking down our top fast food chains, basically for burgers, fries, and just best value in general. So starting off with this, top fast food to eat before a game. You well, want to start, start us off on this one? Well, yeah, let me, let me stipulate some rules here. Um, we're either on the way to a game or we're rushing home to watch a game on TV. So when we say fast food, it has to be fast food. There's no sit down restaurants or anything like that. Uh, so, you know, uh, restaurants like five guys or home run burger or something like that. We're not going to be mentioning them. They make great product. They make great hamburgers, but they're not part of it. Um, so, yep. Yeah. So I, I'm going to give you my best burgers, um, not necessarily in the order uh, from favorite to worst, but um, uh, number one is, I have to say, from the 1980s, uh, an A&W burger. Um, they charbroil their burgers, uh, much like Burger King. The only difference is, Burger King, they charbroil their burgers and sometimes they'll sit them under a heat lamp. A&W throws them on right away. Uh, they're piping hot when you get them and they're delicious. Uh, number two will be Hardee's. Uh, the Hardee's stick burger is incredible. Uh, it's not as good as it used to be, uh, but it's, it's a quality burger that you can get at a, at a pretty good price at that. So it's a very good burger. Um, I'm also a big fan of Sonic burgers. Uh, Sonic burgers are great because, uh, they wrap them in that aluminum, uh, kind of wrapping. It's always piping hot. The cheese is liquid pretty much. Uh, so it's a very good burger. Uh, no fillers, no, no soybean or anything like that. So it's a very good burger. Right. Um, and then I think, uh, I, I'm, you know, I would say top five. I got to uh, throw in rallies. I like rallies burgers as well. Um, I always get now, I will stipulate, I get my burgers plain. So when I eat a burger, I'm tasting the burger. I'm not tasting other things. So I'm kind of picky about my burgers. And that's one of the reasons I always get them plain. I can eat them dressed, but I prefer them plain because you can actually mm -hmm. taste the meat. And then uh, I think coming in last, uh, well, not last, but 
Uh, Dairy Queen makes a really good burger as well. Their double cheeseburger is really good. I've always enjoyed them. Yeah. Uh, so um, my the places I picked for this category are not all burger places. Okay. But so three of the four of are. So like it's like you, these are not in any particular order. This maybe seem like a generic answer, but McDonald's is up there for me because the majority, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I'm always getting a good burger. Honestly, and the fries have there's a little bit to debate on with the fries, but still, I think you can get a quality meal at McDonald's, and especially before a game, can fill you up, get you, get you prepped up for the game. Another one, rallies. You, I've never had a bad burger there, never had bad fries there too. So, de- rallies is definitely up there. Taco Bell is also up there. I mean. You could debate on whether Taco Bell is some some of them are not that good, but there are some that are really good and they produce really good food and they make really good food. So I think Taco Bell definitely has to be up there for me. And I don't know how you would feel about this one, but White Castle is up there with me too for, for a game. And White Castle, I love their sliders. I also love their chicken sliders, I love their fries, I love their cheese sticks, I love their chicken wings. I just love pretty much everything from White Castle. So that would be my four for that category. Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, so, I don't agree. I will tell you this. I don't agree with on McDonald's. Main reason is, is I haven't had it consistent. I've had good McDonald's and I've had really bad McDonald's. So that's always been kind of a concern in my mind. White Castles, I really can't judge because I'm not a slider guy. You know me, when I go to White Castle, I'll get a fish sandwich. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, I think you have a good list there. Yep. Next category. These are actually like legit for burgers. And I'll start this off this one, our top four for fast food burgers, just in general, not really for before a game, but just in general, I would have to say Burger King. Because, like you like you mentioned, they charcoal their burgers, and I have never had a bad burger from Burger King, and I love their Whopper. There's nothing better that than a Whopper, honestly. Uh, Cookout is definitely up, also up there for me. They charcoal their burgers as well, and just everything about that burger is is so good. McDonald's, I know again generic answer and then wendy's for me i love a wendy's burger and if i had to put them in order I th- honestly i would put wendy's number one because their baconator if you get the full sandwich and not the the little puny the junior baconator but if you get the full baconator that is such a good burger and i it's hard for me as far as fast food i don't it's hard for other places to top that for me mm. for a wendy's burger that's that's good. That's good. Um, for me, the number one burger of all time that I've ever had, besides um, a high quality burger that you would get at a sit down restaurant, is an A and W burger uh, from uh, from the '80s. I shouldn't say because you know, ever since they've been bought out by Yum and everything, they kind of compromised things. But that was by far that was the most memorable burger I've ever had at a fast food joint. Uh, you know, where it's just quick and fast and delicious. 
you know, they put full thick pieces of bacon on there, everything that you would, you know, associate with the restaurant that, uh, you know, where you're paying a 10, $11 for 10 or $11 for a burger. Uh, Hardee's is definitely up there. The thick burgers uh, are just spot on. They're really good. Um, I would have to agree on Wendy's. Um, really? Oh, That's yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Wendy's has got a great burger. Um, I, I tend to gravitate more towards their their larger burgers as far as the quality is concerned. I remember, uh, you know, back in the 90s going to get a, uh, a, a triple uh, a triple burger with Kevin and, and he just, oh, man, you got to try this. And I tried it and it was just blown away by it. Um, you know, I, I definitely think we should, uh, uh, I would put uh, Dairy Queen up there as well. Again, I've always had consistently a good uh, burger at Dairy Queen. Some of the other stuff, not so good, but burger wise, it's always been up there on my list. And, um, and honestly, I wish I could have gotten, could get, I mean, I know there's A&Ws from around different places, but there's not that many. And I wish I could get that experience of trying an A&W burger. Yeah. I mean, I mean, things, I mean, the thing is though, I mean, it could be totally different now from back when you first had one. And I tell you, lastly, and this is kind of a sneaky one. I'm going to get on you, get in on you. Steak and shake triple burger. Oh. I had to say a triple steak burger with cheese. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's hard to compete against. Yeah. And but have- I still have to say, <laughs> I still have to say though, Wendy's, I, I don't know if a lot of people like Wendy's. I think people do, generally do. But that Baconator sandwich, that just, that tops the cake for me. Yeah. It really does. It's a good, it's a good sandwich. And uh, they, they, um, they've consistently, and like I said, I've been eating Wendy's a lot longer than you have. They, they haven't changed their burgers much at all over the years. And that's something that I like about them. And the quality of the beef, everything is is always been up there. Uh, so that that was it for top fast food burgers. Our next category, fast food fries. Now I'm gonna put some of my answers. You're gonna have well, just one actually. One is a caveat in one of my answers, where they definitely have to be fresh. To be considered one of the best, but they're still in my top four. But I'm going to let you lead off with this one. Okay. Um, I have a very eclectic uh, French fry thing. Um, I would put um, Penn Station is one. Now, Penn Station, again, some of them have drive through some of them don't. So it's kind of cheating a little bit. But the Penn Station is always fresh with their fries. Uh, they have to be eaten warm, okay? Just like any fry that's fried, you have to eat them, you know, pretty much fresh, and they're they're always great. Um, I think the chick Chick Fil A waffle fries are wonderful too. Uh, you know, with some ketchup, it, that that can be uh, that that can be a wonderful experience. Rallies now, rallies fries are number one to me. And I know it's a kind of a hit or miss with people because they batter them and everything like that. But I can literally just eat a rally fry and nothing else. And, you know, rally fry and drink and I'd be happy. 
You know, there's not a whole lot of places that I can say that you can do that. Okay. You go to McDonald's, you get fries and a drink. You're, you're not going to have a great experience, but with rallies, nope. um, just fries and a drink is fine by me. Um, I like uh, these two next two are chicken places uh, besides obviously Chick-fil-A, but Zaxby's, I like Zaxby fries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very good with ketchup. Uh, and uh, lastly, Bojangles. I like mm. fries as well. A more steak, meatier fry. It's really good. Yep. Uh, my, num- my, my four, McDonald's. That's my number four. But, but they have to be fresh. They can't be this a little bit fresh. They have to be completely fresh. And honestly, when they're fresh, I think they're one of the best fries in the fast food industry. Uh, I would have to say Arby's is in my top four. Rallies, like you, that you can't. There's not a lot of places beat a Rallies fry. And I, I don't know if, honestly, I don't know if there's any fast food place that can beat a Rallies fry. And then. Actually, and for me, a Burger King fry is top notch as well. They've come a long way. Burger King has come a long way with their fries. It used to not be that way. And I will add this, uh, Tyler. You never had an Arby's fries from 30 years ago. Arby's fries were even better than what they are now. I mean, like 10 times better. Um, if we were doing this show 30 years ago, Arby's would have won hands down. Uh, that's how good they were. I think, and I, I have the perspective of having that fry versus what they have the fry now. The fry now is nothing compared to what it used to be. But with that said, you don't have that perspective. But, uh, you know, no. the, the Arby's fry is still decent, but uh, I still don't have them in my top rank. Yeah, I mean it's the same situation with an A and W burger. Just yeah. I can n- never have. I'll never be able to have that experience you did, because yeah. it was you know thirty plus years ago. So yeah, and and you know and you mentioned you do have a little bit of an experience with that with Burger King. Uh, they they cook them the same way. The only difference is uh, with Burger King, they never come out always come out piping hot right off the grill like they did at a and So you've got a general idea of what it tastes right. like. Uh, all right. Moving on to the next category. Chicken. Best fast food chicken. So I'm going to have to say Zaxby's. I, I've, when Zaxby's, when they're, top, when they're on the top of their game with their, as far as they cook, there's nothing that, not a lot of chicken places that can beat Zaxby's. And KFC. Sort of the same situation with Zaxby's. I mean, they're not definitely not what they used to be, but there's not a lot of places that can beat a KFC chicken. And then Chick-fil-A. Everyone knows. Everyone yeah. loves it. It's always – the line's always long at the Chick-fil-A and, and University of Kentucky. And what I can tell you that. Service, too. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and then number one, actually, is Bojangles. I'll be honest, I don't think it's been a while since I've had a chicken tender like Bojangles. And I think they're one of the probably the best the best chicken tender in the fast food industry. Yeah, and, and if I'm Bojangles being and Bojangles is again another throwback to the eighties. They were huge in the eighties and they kind of make a little bit of a comeback. 
but um, they are their chicken. I, that's definitely on my list. Bojangles. Um, I definitely have Zaxby's up there too. Um, Zaxby's when they're on their on top of their game, not always, but for the most part, I've never really had a chicken where I was like, Oh God, this is awful. But you know, when they're on their game, it's hard to beat. Um, you know, even though they're expensive. Yeah, they are very expensive. Chick-fil-A of course, again, very good, uh, very solid. And, and I definitely think they, they do a great job, uh, preparing their chicken and things like that. And they do their chicken in like the peanut oil, right? Yes. Yes. So and, I, uh, I think that the, I think that can make a difference. Yeah, I, I definitely think it, it can. And, uh, you know, it definitely gives it a, a different taste to it too, you know? Um, but you know, I, I would, I, I, again, I, I actually do not like Popeye's at all. And I know it's top on a lot of, I was, I, I know I was actually looking at a list for the top, uh, fast food chicken places. And their number one was Popeye's. And I'll be honest with you. I've had Popeye's a couple, a couple of times. And I was not that impressed. No, I actually. I know, I know there's some people that like it. Yeah. But still, I don't, I don't get, I don't get the hype. I really I don't. Either. And, uh, and I've actually had some pretty terrible experiences with them, undercooked chicken and things like that. And, uh, you know, that, that's a big, that's one of the, re- probably one of the reasons I don't even go around them hardly at all anymore. So. But, they do uh, have a pretty catchy commercial though. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, so they're they're good on the marketing side. <laughs> I, I definitely think so too. You know, they they definitely do a good job. And and again, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Popeye's been around since the seventies. So mm-hmm. they they've been around for a long time. They've you know their reputation wouldn't be where it is if they weren't doing decent chicken. It just uh, for whatever reason. Maybe because after they've expanded so much and franchised out, it's kind of diluted the chicken, much like KFC, you know, and you know this, KFC can make some good chicken if, you know, if a certain person's running the store and, you know, they cook it right and they make sure it's done and, and not overcooked, it can be really good. But you can have really bad experiences at KFC too. That's why I didn't include KFC on my list. Uh, for that very reason, so. Oh, yeah, I understand that. Uh, so, our next category, best value, just in general. Like, for what you're paying for, you're always going to get the best. You're going to get a decent amount of food for the price you pay. And I'm going to let you start out with that one. Okay. Well, um, this will be near and dear to your heart. Um, rallies. Yes. Uh, we can Agreed. get uh, four cheeseburgers or possibly two double cheese, two uh, cheese, double cheeseburgers and a Fry Lovers XL, which by the way, everybody, if you love rallies, get Fry Lovers XL. It's a big, please get it. It's a big old cup of, a uh, cup of fries. I mean, it's actually a, a large size drink with filled up with fries. 
Get and, big ass fry. Yeah. <laughs> and you can get all that in two drinks, two medium drinks, $1.99. You can all get it for about eleven fifty. So you can fill two feed two people very, very well for eleven fifty. And there's not a whole lot of places that can do that. Um, I think second on there would probably be cookout burger. Uh, cookout burger. Agreed. Man, yeah. You can get a five dollar meal or five fifty, is it now? I think. Um so where, cheap. Yeah. And you can get a hamburger and two sides and a drink. Um, and you, you can't go wrong with that. Good burgers, uh, get you a fry, and then maybe throw something interesting in there like uh, hush puppies or something. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I mean, every time I have it, it always fills me up no matter what it is. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, you get really good value. And I'm going to throw a loop in here. Uh oh. I got to talk about Hardee's, Hardee's tacos. Uh, that's okay. a very good point. And also they're all-star meals. Yes. Uh, all-star meals. Yes, sir. But uh, Hardee's tacos, you can get five for $5. Uh, you can't even get that price at Taco Bell. Everything's always freshly made. The cheese is grated. Uh, they put a ton of cheese and a ton of lettuce and a ton of beef in there. And it's actually the way tacos used to be made at Taco Bell. And you can get it fried for $5. It, not only that, but if you're in a mood for a burger, you can get a burger, fry, a double burger, fry, double cheeseburger and a fry and a drink for $5 and a cookie. So that's a great value as well. And uh, I, I list them first over someone like Dairy Queen. Uh, the main reason is, is that... Uh, I actually prefer um, Hardee's uh, box meals to, uh, uh, you know, I, I prefer them over Dairy Queen. So I, I kind of list them up front above everybody else. Um, and then probably lastly would be, um, you know, the Taco Bell meals. I think the uh, $5 meals that they have are a really good value as well. I definitely. I, I like a good Taco Bell. I mean, I, I like a $5 box. It always fills me up. So, for me, it has to be Wendy's, honestly, because sometimes they have the four-for-four four oh, yeah. deals. Uh, so, I think Wendy's is, when they have that deal, and even just in general, some of their meals, you're getting, I mean, you have to, they're getting kind of expensive too, but you still get a good amount of food for what you're paying for, it, and it's good quality food at that too. Taco Bell is uh, another one of mine. You get a $5 box. You get a decent amount of food. I mean, it's a debate. It's a debate of topic of whether or not, I mean, the food's always fresh quality. But still, I think you get good value with Taco Bell. Uh, I mean, that one time we went there and mom got a, a nacho and that was huge. Yep. And, and yep. so, uh, you know, and then Burger King. I would say is definitely a a good value because you can get, I mean, they had the what the two for four deal where you could get two whoppers and I think a drink maybe, but that was still I mean you could get pretty good deals and you know like I said just in general some of their meals you always get for what you pay for get really good food at Burger King and it'll fill you up and definitely number one for me. Because I, I live so close to it when I'm when I'm in Lexington is cookout. 
Yes. You there's no better deal. And I remember when uh uh little Kevin was talking about it when he was at EKU and we visited it. And we had and we were amazed because you you don't pay that much and you still get a lot of food. So and it feels always always will fill you up. So that cookout is definitely number one for me. Yeah, I definitely think so too. Uh, Tyler, I'd like to ask you a question. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, what was the best, what, what is your favorite non-alcoholic drink to drink when you're watching a ball game? Uh, it had to be Big Red. Because uh. they think, I'm, majority of the time, I am getting stressed. And I'm a nervous eater. So a good a, open up a bag of popcorn, get that thing popping, have a bowl of popcorn, have some big red, and the stress eases down. Yeah, popcorn is a good stress eater, and I under washing that down with big red. I imagine that's pretty good. So if uh, you could add if you could add peanut M and M's or Reese's that popcorn, <laughs> <laughs> I taught you that. <laughs> I taught you, you how to mix that in, but. Um, my favorite drink is probably going to be uh, a kind of a non-conventional one. I, I'm actually a big icy guy. So I like Mountain Dew and Mountain Dew Icy and a Coke Icy. And even a Cherry Icy for that matter. Uh, one of the reasons that I like it is because it goes a long way. Um, you know, you get you a big 44-ounce Coke and you get about halfway down that bad boy and it just watering, it's just crap. But an icy, it's good the whole way. You get your 44 ounces, even the bottom. The bottom's even better because that's where the syrup is kind of collected and it's ultra cold. And, you know, I, I just think that is uh, something that I think it's it, it just, I don't know. I just love it. I even love it in the wintertime. So it's uh, something that I enjoy drinking during the ball game. Yeah, I'd, especially also at a baseball game. Sometimes there's ices. Oh, and you get or snow cones. Mm. Yeah, that's that's nice. really good, especially for a hot day. Nice hot day. But, yeah, can't beat that. All right, so guys, that was our first kind of like non-sports segment, I believe it is, and yeah, I was kind of I was actually fun. I want to do. I definitely want to do more stuff with that with this podcast. I was I was kind of we got to find ways to get little ideas like that in there. But talking, I mean, I always. I love food, and I always love talking about food just as much as I love talking about sports. So it's a win-win situation for me. (laughs) But all right, guys. Uh, Again, for those of you who are still listening to this podcast and listen to every single episode so far, thank you very much. Like Seriously, it means a lot to everyone who's involved with uh, the Man Cave Sports Podcast. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to Gavin. It means a lot to Tim. Uh, we definitely trying to boost it up and, but we definitely need you guys support. So you can find us on our Instagram at, uh, man cave sports podcast. Find us on Twitter at man cave podcast. Seriously. Like I've said this before, if you interact with us, we will interact with you. So this is, and if you guys have any feedback as well on what you think, we can do, you know, do things that better. Or if you just have a question about sports, 
uh, or an example of like tonight about food. If you want to put your input on what your favorite uh, food places are, then you, that's a chance for you to reach out to us. Or you know, like I said, it, it, it could be just simple feedback as well. But most importantly, guys, I had to I had to keep saying this because I really I do I appreciate it and everyone else here uh, with the Man Cave Sports Podcast appreciate it. Thank you guys for all for listening. Thank you guys for you know still believing in it. And it, until next time, thank you for joining us in the Man Cave. <laughs>